This is a me thing. You don't have to agree with it because it's what I'm doing with my money. How do you feel like that is our money? Not like they're going to take half of it. It's so healthy for the relationship when you get to still feel like an individual, feel like a couple, and still reach your financial goals. Welcome to the Rad Money Podcast. We're Rebecca and Dylan, husband and wife and financial coaches for married couples. Do you and your spouse want to reach financial freedom and start building wealth, but you're not sure where to start? Have you tried to budget and pay off debt, yet you struggle to see your net worth actually increase? Rad Money is the finance podcast that helps millennial married couples get on the same page about one of the toughest topics they will face in their marriage. Our goal is to help you and your spouse work together to reach your financial goals and strengthen your marriage along the way. Welcome to this episode of the Rad Money Podcast. We have an excellent episode for you today. But before we get into today's topic, just wanted to let you know that we will be sharing more details about our upcoming event, specifically for couples who want to start building wealth in 2024 at the end of this episode. So make sure that you stay tuned all the way at the end to get that information about what we're really going to be covering and why you should be there. Uh, But that's all we'll say about that for now. We'll save that to the end. Let's talk about what couples need to be doing to really build wealth together. What are the three that you absolutely have to have to get started? We're talking very foundational. If you try to skip these steps, you are not going to get the kind of results that you really want. Yeah, these are so important for couples because if you can't manage these three essentials, nothing else matters. Like Rebecca said, these are essential. These are the things that couples need to make sure that they can manage money together and be successful at it because Managing money as a couple is difficult. There's so many challenges when you have two personalities, two different backgrounds and mindsets around money and to come together and build wealth together can be challenging. And so these are the essentials that really make that a lot easier. Many of which a lot of couples think that they're getting right and there is actually a lot of room for improvement. Yes. And so um, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is going to be kind of our thoughts and inputs building upon this wonderful book that we got a couple months ago. It's called Thriving in Love with Money. It's by Jeff and Shanti Feldhan. Uh, we will link some of their resources in the book and stuff below. But I found this book after listening to them being interviewed on some podcasts. And I was like, if this isn't a sign that this book is exactly what we need right now, because, you know, we were really starting to focus more on couples. And their insights are so amazing. It has given us so much confidence in the th- a lot of the things that we've known that couples really need to do, a lot of things that we've known that couples struggle with, but they did the research and they gave us the actual proof to back up everything we were saying about what you need to be successful together. So what I really love about this book is that they really backed up everything that we've been teaching and all the tools and the concepts that we teach our clients, the couples that we help, they backed it up with science and research. And I thought it was so cool because we just instinctually had seen these things work for us and we started to share them with our clients and they got results. But we didn't know that the science could back it up. Yeah, we had we were going off of our personal experience, what we knew worked for finances and just like taking that relationship advice and trying to intermingle it with what you should do with your finances and all those sorts of things. But there was so much in this book that we were just like, wow, we are on the right path. We are building something that is really going to help a lot of couples because most couples struggle with these essentials. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's just so amazing how you'll hear these things and brush them aside. Like when you think of wealth building, you think of investing, putting money into assets. But this is how you prioritize the relationship before the money and then also have success with your finances. Yeah, it's investing in your greatest asset, which is your marriage. Because if you are married, this is absolutely 
your greatest wealth building tool, whether you're dual income or single income and someone's a stay-at-home spouse, there's this huge amount of leverage that you can have with your relationships. So like we said, we're going to be sharing these three essentials. We're going to go really deeper into kind of the why these are super important and the role that they can play. And then also, like we said, going deeper into these concepts that Jeff and Shanti share in their book, while they talk a lot about the relationship side of it, the actual what to do's in how to manage your money as a couple are a little bit lacking. So we're going to dig into that a little bit more. Yes. And so before we just start to dive into it, let's talk about the three things at a high level so you know what we're talking about. So the first essential is what we're going to call financial flexibility. Number two, is effective communication around money. And the third one is understanding your spouse's views on money. Yes. So really where we're going to be building out the most is this financial flexibility. This first essential for working with your spouse. In the book, they talk a lot about like having discretionary spending money. And that's just kind of a blanket term that I feel like they use here and there and kind of interchangeably with different aspects of the actual money management. Yeah. Um, But we're going to break that down to be more specific. There's really three components to this. To have this financial flexibility with how you're managing money as a team, you're going to need a line item in your budget for each spouse for that individual spending money. I feel like we've talked about this at nauseum, but it is so incredibly important. It is one of the most important things that you will do to improve both your finances and your relationship at once. Right. I, I really love this. this. Is one of the things they talked about in the book and how the science backed this up. And this is something we've been talking about since we started coaching from the beginning. And I was just so happy to hear that it's so helpful. This is where every month Rebecca and I sit down. We say, okay, Dylan, you get to spend, I get to spend $100 this month and Rebecca gets to spend $100 this month. And there's, we agree on how much we get to spend and we don't ask questions about it. So Rebecca's free to spend her money however she likes. I can spend my money however I like. Yeah, so this no questions asked spending money is just so critical because so many of us are worried about becoming like a codependent or totally dependent spouse, right? Like that's one of our biggest fears for a lot of people is you know being controlled or being totally dependent on someone is scary for a lot of us. So even down to just being able to have this amount of money that is no questions asked. I can use it however I want. I don't have to feel like I'm asking for permission um, or anything exactly. like that. It's so critical. And the way that they describe it in their book, that I thought it was really great, this sense of autonomy that we're all craving, right, in our relationship is maintaining, the way they say it is it's about maintaining that individuality without pushing into that independence which we are so against. We, we talk about interdependence a lot here, but they talk about that individuality, maintaining that ability to make some decisions on your own, do what you want to a certain extent with the money during the month. But then it bounces back to an agreement that you made with your spouse. And exactly. I think that's really the opportunity to show mutual respect for one another, regardless of who's earning the money, regardless of who's a stay-at-home spouse or who makes more or whatever the case may be. It's this opportunity to just like, let's have this agreement. Let's show mutual respect for one another where we're not nickeling and diming each other. However, if I do want to spend more than that agreed upon amount, I'm agreeing to the fact that I will seek your input and we will have a discussion because I respect you and I don't want to break that agreement that we made. Yes. I, I think that that's really important too, is just understanding that if you want to buy something that's more expensive than what you can afford, you just have the conversation. This is the mutual respect where if something comes up that I want to buy that's more than I can afford, then we just have the conversation. It's not a no. It's not that we can't discuss this. It's just a matter of how can we make this work? Maybe this is 
a conversation about having to save for a few months or can we move things around so I can afford it sooner? The important part is that there's mutual respect and I'm not just going to go spend the money immediately. And Rebecca's also going to listen and hear what I have to say and be open to what I value. This really helps with any sort of icky power dynamics and things like that that can show their head in the relationship. Really putting the relationship first. I love one story in the book where they talk about this couple. The wife goes to the YMCA and it's like 100 bucks a month. And then the husband's like, oh, well, we should cancel that. You can just work out at the golf club where I go and we'll save that money because we're already members at the golf club. But he doesn't even listen to how much value it brings to his wife as she says, you know, it's close to the house and my friends go there and it's great for the kids and all this sort of stuff. He's just focused on like the financial aspect of it. But those are the sorts of situations that honestly, (laughs) I think that should absolutely be in your budget. That shouldn't even be on the table. I'd pay $100 to not have this argument. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like who cares, dude? Like look at the big picture, have some emotional IQ for God's sake. But I think things like that can also just fall into that personal spending where it's just like, yeah, it it just doesn't matter. Like this is a me thing and you don't have to agree with it because it's what I'm doing with my money. And that's so healthy for the relationship. Right. I think not to go too deep in this particular area, but the other side of this is to not keep a scorecard. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if every month I spend all my money and Rebecca doesn't. She's not tallying up and saying like, you know, over the past six months, you spent $600. I've only spent $300. So that means I could really spend right now. There's no keeping scorecard. It's like you agreed on it. Oh, or revenge. Yeah. Revenge spending. That's what you're talking about, which they kind of touch on in the book. They do. But the idea is that It doesn't matter what happens with the money, if I choose to spend it or not. We're not keeping tabs on it. It's just free for me to use if I'd like to. Yeah. And so again, this is something we've taught forever. And it was so powerful to see that, yes, legitimately, this is one of the biggest game-changing things that a couple can do. So if you don't do this, you need to go and do this. You need to go and put a specific line item in your budget. It's Rebecca Dillon, husband, wife. Spouse one, spouse two, you have an agreed upon amount. Those need to be individual lines in your budget. And I would and I would call out since you said this, this is separate from date night. This is separate than us stuff. This is me spending money on me. We don't want to get that confused with dating or nights out or whatever. Yeah. Okay. The second part of this financial flexibility is something we are huge fans of, and that is having cash flow freedom. So again, in the book, they talk about having just like discretionary money. Well, what we call this is cash flow freedom. This means that within any given month, you have flexibility within your cash flow to put some money towards one thing or another, either that's towards a financial goal or to absorb an unexpected expense without having to touch your cash cushion. So not tapping into that emergency fund or anything like that. It's just taking the money that is your income for the month, having some flexibility within that to do as you need to with that money. That creates a lot of breathing room for both of you so that there's not a lot of stress and anxiety. This is essentially, this is starting to break that paycheck to paycheck cycle. That's what we're talking about here. And having that flexibility, whether it's $50 a month or $1,000 a month, you are just creating some some breathing room so that you're not constantly feeling like you're running out of money and you don't have enough. Because when you have this flexibility in your monthly spending, that means you can have things like the individual spending money, the date night, all these individual categories that you might think as unnecessary and are always the first on a couple's chopping block. That anytime that they're like, oh, I feel like, you know, we don't have enough money to do X, Y, Z. So they start trimming out all the fun things, all the things that make it worth it. But when you have this cash flow freedom, you don't have to do that. You yes. can keep your date nights. 
You can keep your individual spending money. Again, it's so healthy for the relationship when you get to still feel like an individual, feel like a couple, and still reach your financial goals. Exactly. Yeah. Just having that extra money just means that you're not stressed and you get to use it how you like. Yeah. The third piece of the financial flexibility. This part wasn't so much touched on in the book, but we absolutely believe that it's critical is to have a cash cushion. We suggest having at least one month of living expenses in cash as your like starter emergency fund. This again, it's just going to relieve so much stress and again, help you to just be able to deal with those unexpected expenses that are definitely going to come up. Like we talked about in our last episode, we all experience setbacks. We all have these things that are just going to happen. Life happens, but you really need that. And again, it's just creating a healthier financial foundation so that the relationship isn't put under that stress all of the time. Right. Because that stress is what leads to arguments that when I'm stressed out about money, I'm going to start pointing fingers. I might even blame Rebecca and say, you were spending money irresponsibly. And that's not going to be good for the relationship. Always be spending money irresponsibly. Well, I mean, I didn't want to say anything, but I guess the whole world knows now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, exactly. When we're feeling that stress, we start getting in that fight or flight mode. We start picking at each other, blaming each other. All of a sudden, we're just going at it and we're whatever the emergency was, whatever the setback was. Now we're not focused on what's the actual problem right now that, hey, you know, we just got somebody just got in a car accident or, hey, somebody just broke their arm or, you know, whatever these things are that happen. We're not able to just be in the moment, support the people who need the support or just get through it and say, hey, you know what? Thank goodness that nobody got more seriously hurt. Or even if they did, I can just like focus on supporting them. Now we're just arguing about finances. And it's just such a toxic way to live. And it's so bad for your marriage if, as you're going through things that are going to be hard already, you're just arguing about the money. And then you're just tearing each other down about it. And so starting with that one month living expenses and then eventually building that out to six months to a year is just going to do wonders for your marriage because it's all about removing that stress. It's almost like bubble wrap so that the world can't get at you and you're just protected from all of the nonsense out there. You just have this insurance for your marriage, essentially. Well, and what I like about the cash cushion, especially when you start to have like a three to six month, is that when things come up, you don't think about the money because you already have that covered. And so you get to be present and just deal with the problem. And like, there's no band. What can be awful is like when you're struggling, if you don't have enough money, sometimes you'll do a Band-Aid fix, which only means it's going to be You're going to have to fix it again in the future. So you actually get to take care of the problem, not stress about the money and just move on with your life. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's really amazing. It's a it's a total upgrade, total upgrade for your relationship to just be able to get through those things. I mean, in at the beginning of covid, so early 2020 or right before covid, we had a single car and uh, it was parked or it was completely totaled while it was just parked at our apartment. And, you know, it could have been crushing. It could have been terrible. And it I mean, it was upsetting, right? Like, that's so weird. We're just sitting at home, probably watching The Office or something. And yeah. then my really good friend texts and she's like, uh, girl, you need to come look at your car. And, and our car got totaled by a moving truck. It was so weird. But, you know, we were just able to say, you know what? Nobody was hurt and we'll figure this out financially and it's it's fine. And that's a total game changer than just losing your mind. Well, I think Dave Ramsey says that uh, emergencies become inconveniences. Yes. And I totally agree with that. That's a, that's a really good saying. It's a good, And it really does. It just It's less stressful. You're just like, that's a pain. It's a blip in the radar. 
It's a blip. So that's essential one. Your financial flexibility is to have that individual spending money run to your budget spreadsheet and add those individual line items for you and your spouse. Then second is have your cash flow freedom. So just create that space in your monthly cash flow so that you have money to put towards whatever you need to put your money towards, whether it's debt, savings, unplanned for expense, or random weekend vacation, like whatever it is, you need to have that flexibility in your monthly cash flow. And then finally, have a cash cushion. So once you have that cash flow freedom, start saving that at least for one month of living expenses to give yourself that financial flexibility that you need so that you can prioritize your relationship. Yes. We want to talk about the next two essentials, essential two and three, which is communication and understanding. And we want to bring them together because really they just, they work hand in hand. If, if we don't communicate, Rebecca and I won't understand each other. And if we don't work to understand each other, then the communication won't be effective. It'll be more like an argument or a total disagreement. So those two things work hand in hand. Yeah. So without one, you cannot have the other. But here's the kicker. And this is what we've always known. And again, it was so helpful for us to just see like, absolutely, yes, we are not, we are beating a dead horse when it comes to, you need to talk about your money with your spouse. Um, But it's worth talking about all of the time because based off of their research, communication is actually more important than having that cash cushion that we just talked about. Exactly. Right. Because like being able to communicate and work together will get you through times of not a lot of money, but all the money in the world can't buy you a good relationship. Yeah, so it really comes down to just having the ability to talk about whatever financial challenges you have. And, you know, again, like we say all the time, doesn't matter how much money you make, you're going to have financial challenges that come your right. way. Even if it's just like, oh my gosh, our tax bill is so much this year because we make so much money. Like, that's a rich person problem. You know, but it's a problem and it could be really challenging if you guys can't talk about that. So you have to be able to uh, have healthy communication when it comes to money. What that means to us is feeling as though you can be open and honest and you're going to be met by a spouse who's supportive, understanding, listens, they're respectful, and they're not going to judge you. Yes. Right? All all very important because you want to be able to have a, a very truthful conversation because it doesn't help if... I'm lying about the, my financial side of the equation. It doesn't get us to our goals. If I have debt and I'm not sharing that with you, well, we have to work on that so that we can become debt-free and then build wealth over here. If I'm hiding that, that doesn't help us as a unit. And so by communicating honestly, that's really important. And then being able to receive a message like that without judging or being angry at someone is also very valuable. Well, and not even just being open and honest about your financial situation, but like we're gonna speak into in just a moment, of also just sharing, hey, here's why I don't like that plan. Here's why that bothers me. Here's why the debt is super scary to me. Like, right. So it's about being able to also just share your emotions and like the what your instincts and share your input on what you think should be done with the money without being told like, well, that's just that's just stupid. You know, that's mm-hmm. just idiotic. Like, obviously, my way is the best way, which is what everybody tends to do is think that they know better than their spouse. Again, that's from the book. The book the book actually says that like 60% or something of spouses- I think it was like 66. It's a pretty high number. It's yeah. a pretty high number of spouses are running around thinking that each of them knows better than the other. <laughs> I don't know anything about that personally. <laughs> but... And so here's the thing with the communication. The more that you talk about money, the more you talk about things other than the problems. Because yeah. if we're discussing 
money on a regular basis. It's not every day that there's some fire that's blowing up that needs to be managed. It's just like we're talking about money on a regular basis. So the conversations become more comfortable and you get better at talking about it because it's something that you do on a regular basis. Yeah. And if you really want to hear more of our thoughts on how to communicate effectively about money, definitely check out our one of our past episodes. We'll link it in the show notes. We really walk you through exactly what it means to talk to your spouse without it turning into a money fight. And one of those things really is the ability to be solutions focused. Yes. And so not only does it get better as you do it more often, it's like reps. It's like any kind of thing. Practice makes perfect. It's going to be hard at first, but it's going to get better. What going into these conversations, focusing on solutions, not problems, is going to make it a million times better. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so definitely check out that episode for a full download on that. But then moving on to that respectfully understanding your spouse. Now, this is so powerful. But again, you can't get to this if you can't have those effective money talks because it's a triggering conversation. Right. And like we said, most people think that they're talking about money with their spouse, but in actuality, they only talk about it when they absolutely have to. So they're never getting to this point of really getting to know their spouse and what their spouse thinks about money, what their money mindset is, and then they are able to bridge that gap and work together. They don't get to that because they're like, oh, yeah, we totally talk about money, but it's only when it's a problem. Right. And that's not going to lead to a great conversation if you're only talking about it when it comes up as a problem. Heightened emotions and they're stressed. And so that just cues you in into like, that's not going to be a good conversation. No, you are not in a good mental place if that's the only time that you talk about money. This is why 60 plus percent of couples actually confess to avoiding money conversations strictly to keep the peace. Because they feel like if they even start to talk about the budget, that they're just going to disagree. So you know what? It's better if we just don't. And we're just so anti that because that is settling for just okay. It's not doing what's necessary if you want to have a, an excellent relationship. You have to say, you know what? It's worth a couple arguments here and there. And in fact, the other book that we're reading right now, The Seven Principles of, what is it? Principles for Making Marriage Work. The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, they, in many other relationship books, say that it's actually very important for you to be okay with arguing. You're going to argue. Healthy relationships argue. So don't avoid it just to keep the peace. Mature, successful couples learn how to work through those disagreements. And eventually, they become less and less. Yeah. Yeah. So understanding your spouse is just so important because you get to understand their values, their worries, their fears. And so many of our financial decisions can be based off of fear. So if you understand what's driving your spouse, then you can make sure that you are doing things that increase the fear or increase the stress. If now that I understand Rebecca better, I know that certain financial decisions I make might stress her out. So I can be aware of that and make sure to avoid those financial decisions or at least talk to her and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing something here. How how would that make you feel before I just go ahead and do it out out of respect for her? Um, yeah, understanding why certain things are important to your spouse, um, what, what their values really are, that's all going to be reflected in how they manage money, how they spend money, what they think that you should both do with your money as a couple. So you want to really work to understand them and also listen to them and respect them when they talk about what their personal needs are and what their, their boundaries maybe are when it comes to their finances. So for example, when it comes to the boundaries, I think that one can be challenging to kind of wrap your wrap your head around a little bit because what does that really mean to have a financial boundary? An example that we recalled as we were brainstorming this episode 
was when we first started getting out of debt, I was aggressively contributing to my retirement account before we really got started on that. You know, like we said, we started out with Dave Ramsey, of course. He says, you know, don't contribute to your retirement until after you're completely out of debt. And so that became a a point where we had to have that discussion and decide what was really right for us. I think you were pro. I wasn't really investing at the time. I hadn't taken my finances seriously until that point. And so I wasn't, I didn't have to stop investing, but I was saying, let's get rid of all this debt. We got a lot of debt killing our cash flow. Let's eliminate this and then we'll invest. Yeah. But for me, I had always been investing and I really did not want to turn that completely off, especially because I was getting a match and I am completely against leaving that money on the table. I mean, it's part of my compensation package. And so that was my boundary was that I don't want to completely stop investing, but I respect your point of view. So you know what? I'll just dial it back while we pay off our debt just so I secure that match. And then I'll turn it back up once we get out of debt. So, and that's what we did, right? So I set that boundary of I need to invest. That's what's right for me. And and feeling as though my future self is going to be cared for. However, I am willing to um, to give here and say, I'll, but I'll dial it back because together we're going to work on this priority. Right. So you, by working to understand your spouse, that's where you can have those really meaningful conversations, get on the same page and decide what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So communication and understanding are so important to your financial journey as a couple. Without these two essentials, it's very hard to achieve the first thing that we talked about, which is financial flexibility. Because if you aren't communicating, if you aren't working to understand each other, it's really hard to build up the cash cushion, to work together to have cash flow freedom, and to respect each other enough to give each other that freedom to spend money without checking in with one another. Yeah, you're really going to struggle to agree upon how to take action on on them in the first place, really, in terms of deciding how much can we both spend for this individual spending limit? How much do we want in our cash cushion, et cetera? All of those little decisions require communication, require understanding for each other and respect for each other so that you can come to a decision together that you both feel really good about, you both are in support of. And you're going to both execute, right? We say a lot, you have to have each other's buy-in. So if you can't communicate and you aren't doing so in a respectful way, an effective way, you, if you don't understand your spouse and you're constantly just telling each other that you're wrong and you're downplaying their point of view, then you're not going to be able to make these decisions. You're never going to be taking effective action. You'll be doing all these other things that we've warned you guys against. The right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. You're kind of sabotaging each other because one of you creates a plan, but the other one is not involved in said plan. Like all these things that we say are don'ts, <laughs> you're probably doing if you aren't mastering these two essentials. Exactly. When you look at all three of these together, when you start to invest and you put the effort into all three of these essentials, you double your effort with your finances because you're working together. Like Rebecca's saying, it isn't as if I'm trying to do one thing and Rebecca's contradicting my actions and slowing us down or vice versa. We're working together as a unit towards a unified goal. And so we get to get there so much faster. And that is just so powerful when you start to work together as a couple. It's entirely what our program is is built to do. This book blew my mind when we got it. We had already mapped out our whole program specifically for married couples. And we we're like, well, this is what they need to do. They need to not only improve their financial systems and get organized and have an actual strategy, but They have to learn how to communicate. They have to have these hard conversations. They need to go through each other's money story and explore that and facilitate these very specific conversations that are going to help them get on the same page 
And then this book is like, go ahead, Rebecca and Dylan, because the world needs it. Right. That is what everybody struggles with is is really the, these things. Now, we do more than just that financial flexibility. Of course, we really get into strategy, but that doesn't downplay how important these fundamentals are because without them, you can't do the other things. If you can't agree on something as simple as individual spending money or how big your emergency fund is going to be, how in the heck do you think that you are going to agree to some advanced strategy for building wealth and investing and getting into real estate or whatever your goals are? How do you think that you're truly going to agree on that? It just doesn't make any sense. Well, how about this? If you can't do these things, how will you trust that the other person has your back? How can you trust them with your money as you build more wealth? How do you feel like that is our money? Not like they're going to take half of it in the future. You know, being able to communicate and understand each other and you're working together unifies you. It brings you together as one. And it's really scary when you're in a relationship, everything's on the line each and every day. But it's so rewarding when you put the effort in and your partner joins you on that journey. Money is one of those areas in particular. Like we trust our spouse with a lot of other things, but money for some reason is- People have their guards up so hard. Yeah, with money. But if you can get there with money, it just gets so much better. It reduces so much tension and stress in the relationship because you can trust your spouse. But so it's it's so many things. If you can't do these three things, the create the financial flexibility to communicate, to understand each other, everything else is at risk. Yeah. Or if, like we said, we're, you're lying to yourself and saying that you are doing these things, you are talking about money regularly, you do have communication. Okay. Well, that's why we specifically said effective communication. All right. We're, we're respectfully understanding each other. It's not like, oh, yeah, I know she's all stressed out because of the credit cards. I roll. You know? <laughs> so like, it's not any of that. It's not just talking about money when it's a problem. It's a proactive approach. Doing these things with the goal of building something better, not just getting by. So if you want more than just an okay relationship, you want to go from good to great, then we want to invite you to our live event for couples who want to build wealth in 2024. Because honestly, if you don't attend or you don't do things like this, you are really risking another year of making crappy financial New Year's resolutions that get you nowhere, continuing to just wing it, and honestly fooling yourself that you're just going to be magically somehow better with money, whatever that means. Or you want to improve your finances. Okay, vague New Year's resolutions that mean literally nothing. But if you pass up on opportunities like this where we're really going to be breaking down strategies and telling you exactly how to build wealth together, then what you're risking is staying exactly where you are today. And another year going by, 365 days of Groundhog's Day where you're just wondering what you have to show for yourself. What was it all for? What did you actually get done? Right, if your goal is to build wealth with your spouse in 2024, then this is the first decision you're going to make among many decisions that are going to get you closer to that goal. And so you have a choice. You can decide to spend an hour with us Thursday evening on January 4th, learning about the steps that it takes to build wealth with your spouse, including optimizing your income, increasing your cash flow, becoming a strategic investor, and making sure that both you and your spouse are on the same page about all of your decisions together. Or you could decide to spend the evening like you do any other evening and just watch Netflix. One of those decisions is going to get you closer to the goal. The other one's just going to keep you in the same exact spot you are today. So the choice is yours. We'll be there. All the other couples who want to build wealth in 2024 will be there. But will you be there? We know you're going to make the right decision. The link is in the show notes and we'll see you on January 4th. And with that, until next time, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Dylan. And, and we're, we're Rad, Rad Coaches. Coaches.